call cocaine, cocaine, cocaine. Yeah. yeah Do a call, that... get a gram. Do a call, get a gram. That's it. That's how it was. Like the strip was here, the plug was here, and I was just back and forth, back and forth, back and forth all day, every day, up for day. Yeah, it was. And then he was bad, bad psychosis where he was jumping out the window, our fourth four story friggin' apartment window, thinking I was trying to get bad guys to kill him. And it was a nightmare. Welcome to the show, Melissa. Nice. Nice to have me. Yes. And we met on TikTok. We did. You, you've been creating there for a little bit you know took us a little bit to connect again you got banned yeah. for a minute um, it happened banned happens <laughs> <laughs> the best of us now what's your clean date melissa i will be a year sober on the 23rd of january look at you right coming up, coming up. that's amazing yeah. so 23rd of january what was happening the 22nd of january of last year i was in jail I was in okay. I was in jail. Yeah. I um yeah. <laughs> I was in jail. Right? Let's, let's get this in Canada, right? I am. I'm in Ontario. Yeah, northern Ontario. Okay. And um now when did you go to jail? Uh late December. Okay, late so December. And how long did you spend? I was there almost four months. Oh, okay. But you stopped using while you were in jail. Uh, halfway through, yeah. Halfway, yeah. There so were some girls with some stuff, and yeah. yeah. Well, I know it's easy, like, in... That's why I asked if you were in Canada, because I know our, our jails, and I know our jails are flooded with drugs. Yeah, you oh, know, absolutely, here. yeah. And it's just as easy to get high inside as it is outside, yeah. if not easier, yeah. because everyone's there for... The, yeah. You're not talking to cops. <laughs> no one's undercover in the jails, right. you know? So usually they're not, and unless there's a narc in there trying to get yeah. some taken off, but and you get to yeah, that happens. That happens. I'm sure it sure. does. Yeah. That so happens. okay, um, you know, so you get in jail in December, and then you're still getting high. What was yeah. it? What was it fentanyl, that fentanyl? Um, what was I, it that you said to yourself while you're in jail? Like, you know what? I'm not going to do this shit anymore. You want me to be honest? Yeah, there was no more drugs. <laughs> we were. It was. Uh, we were on a COVID lockdown. So we were um, quarantined. So nobody's going to sit on a package for two weeks to bring it on range. Like, you know what I mean? So, uh, yeah, I, uh, yeah, the drugs just dried up. <laughs> and you, and well. you had to, you had to kick cold. I, no, in case, okay, so I'm not sure how it works in the States, but in Canada, they'll throw you on some oxygen, they'll throw you on methadone. It, they don't want dope of sick course. girls in there. At of least course for... they do in Canada. Right. I, yeah. I love your country. Like, I know. I know. And, you know, I'm a big hockey fan. So, like, I'm already partial to love Canada nice. to begin with. I've been up there a lot of times and I just love, you know what I mean? I, I love yeah. Niagara Falls. I love Toronto. Yes. I yes. love Quebec City. I just yes. was on a, I was just on a live podcast last night. Um, agree to disagree. And he's hosted his show out of his, where he lives in Quebec. So we had a lot of fun talking about Canada stuff last night. So, um, but anyway, who's your hockey team? Flyers. Um, okay. But I also am a diehard Oilers fan too. Oh, okay. Um, it, which is ironic because the Oilers beat the Flyers my first Stanley Cup that I was alive. I I was oh, born okay. September of '86, 
cut to okay. June of 87, you know, Wayne Gretzky and the Oilers beat the Flyers in the Stanley yep. Cup in 87. Yep. So it's kind of ironic that I love the Oilers so yeah. much, but I, I do. I, I've liked them for a really long time. Yeah. Um, but anyway, uh, <laughs> I can always talk about hockey. <laughs> Me but too. That's, that's that's really cool. Though. What's your team? Is it the, It's not the Senators. Uh, oh, it can't be okay, the so I was diehard Toronto my whole life. Yeah. My whole family's diehard Toronto. My well, the Senators died. didn't come around until the 90s or yes, whatever, right? Exactly, and, yes. Yeah. Well, they were one of the first so, teams back in the day, and then they went away, and then they came back. Ottawa's good. Like, I give them that. Toronto, I was just so sick of defending them. Honestly, I, I'm so – so I tra- – I'm I'm, uh, I'm – Well, it's been 40-some years since they want to stay right? – 40, 50 years since they want right? to stay in the Cup. I, I think know. Jacques Plant was their goalie when they want to stay it's in the like, Cup the last time. I'm sick of defending them. So now I, I root for the Habs. I'm Canadians fan. So, okay. Yeah. I can respect that. I, I love yeah. watching their games. I love watching Canadians games like in Montreal because it's so loud at, at, oh, at, yeah. uh, at, at their stadium. What's it? M and T or something, or I forget the name of their stadium off the top of my head. Bell center. I think it's the yeah. bell center. Yes. yes and it yes. gets so loud in there. Um, yeah. I've been to Montreal to an Expos game back in the nineties. Okay. I saw the Phillies and the Expos play in the old Olympic stadium back in oh, the day. Wow. And I've cool. been to the old um, Toronto stadium and I, I ate dinner at the Skybox that was oh, inside okay. of the old field of the blue Jays back yep. in the day. Yeah. I was but actually the... just at a post Malone concert. At, well, not just like before yeah. COVID and uh, yeah, that's where our hotel was. You could sit in the bar and like look at the Toronto. I mean, the what are they? The Blue Jays? Yeah. Yeah. Um, <laughs> yeah. Just, super my cool. episode. My episode today is with a guy who is from Massachusetts. But we talked about the first time he ever did heroin was in 1993, and it was the night that Joe Carter hit the home run against the Phillies oh, and beat okay. the Phillies. He remembers watching that game as he was doing his first line of heroin. <laughs> And I was like, oh, man, there's so much pain behind this message, right? man. He is a Phillies fan and he is an addict. Uh, um, okay, we're going off on lots of rants yeah, now. Yeah, we are. <laughs> All right, this is what happens, and this is why I like organic conversation. That's okay. <laughs> so I'm really not shocked, and I'm pleasantly surprised that you guys get Suboxone. We do not. Yeah. Um, it, it's a new thing that some of the jails, I believe, are starting to implement some kind of MAT program. Yeah. But I, I don't believe it's subs because they're too worried about what they'll do on the black market with them here. You know what I mean? Like, and they still want us to be in pain. Let's be real. Even the hospitals in America, if you go to the hospital, they won't give you Suboxone. They won't give you methadone. If you're wow. picking, you have to if you if you go there to say I went in addiction and I said to the hospital staff, I need help detoxing because I'm coming off fentanyl or coming off opiates. Yeah. They would say, OK, lay in the bed. We'll get you some uh... water. And that's it. That's it. They don't get I had a girl on my show, Ashley. Um, she's been on three times now. Um, she's talked about she almost died in the oh, bed. Oh yeah, I have seizures. Oh, absolutely. They attention to her and they weren't yeah. giving her meds. So yeah. the trick in America is if you're watching this and you're still in active addiction and you want to get help in a detox and you don't drink alcohol, drink some alcohol and go there. Tell oh, them that's, you're yeah. If you yes. tell them you're an alcoholic, then you're at risk of death and they're yes. gonna do any kind of treatment that yes. they can. Keep you yes. keep you comfortable. They're going to give yeah. you knowledge and medicine. They're going to give you the meds that will help with all your opiates. But yeah. really, they're going to think it's for alcohol because you're going to pop dirty for alcohol. So yeah, <laughs> yeah. Good drink. Go into detox and tell me you're an alcoholic. It's the best thing you can terrible? do. Terrible, isn't it? Terrible, terrible that there's such a stigma when it comes right. to drugs that you know, like 
I don't know. If it's I just, gonna kill you, we're not gonna fucking help you. Xanax. Right? You can drug. be an alcoholic, but if you're a drug addict, cold turkey. <laughs> Xanax. Xanax. They do help with because you can die from it, right? Yes. Oh, absolutely. Xanax, Benzos. Yeah. Xanax. They will assist you with, and alcohol. They will assist you with. But if you're there for coke, meth, heroin, pills, you know, kick rocks, you deal yeah. with it. Yeah. It's to you, motherfucker. Deal with it. Yeah. That kind of. Um, so I'm glad that you were able to get on Matt in there, especially yeah. given your. Situation. I was on Matt on road, like I was on I was on methadone since I was 17, so I'm 36. So I don't know, do the math. Um, yeah. yeah, my whole life I was on a methadone program. Um, we have a really horrible epidemic. I know it's bad in the states, but right now, like everyone's dead. All my friends are dead. Um, the fentanyl epidemic in our town is it's a war zone right now. Um, so yeah, suicides are also program. up in Canada too. Oh, suicides absolutely. are exponential. That's what I was talking to Luigi yes. about last night in Quebec. Um, there used to be a ratio of like one suicide or two suicides a month, and now there's like fifteen to seventeen a month or something. Oh like yeah, that. yeah, like very, skyrocketing very, numbers. Yeah. You know, yeah. scary, scary numbers. Yes. Yes. Um, okay. So, okay. Now we kind of talked about your history. Let's rewind back even further. So you started methadone at 17. Yeah. When did you discover drugs and alcohol then? Um, very young alcohol, probably young teens, 14, 15. Then it was the Coke. Um, and then oxys came out and that pretty well just, it, it ruined my life. Um, yeah. like I said, I was on a map program right away. Um, I have, I have four children. All my children were born on a methadone program. All, um, you know, went through the detox of it and everything. So, yeah, um, my drug, I battled my disease for 20 years, for sure. Yeah. So, I mean, if you could put on methadone at 17, though, how out of hand did it really, it, it must have gotten crazy really oh, fast for you. It was unreal. And we didn't know, like, okay, so... I was doing ecstasy and ketamine and all that stuff. And when you're up raving for like five days back in like early 2000s, 2000s, yeah. And then somebody's like, yo, do an oxy. You'll come down and you'll sleep great and whatever. And then that was like, holy shit, they're addictive. I'm freaking dope sick. Like, oh yeah, it was like, a, it was a huge, um, we didn't know what we were doing pretty much. Well, so, and I, and yeah, we're the same age, you know, you're, yeah. you're older. So yeah. I know exactly what you mean. I, I didn't get into opiates until 2008. Um, but I was a heavy drinker before then. So I'm, I'm aware of how you know, prevalent oxys were from 97 oh, on 97 yeah. to, to 2009, everywhere you looked was oxy OC this yeah. and OC yeah. that, right? They actually took them right off. There was a big clash auction, auction lawsuit in Canada. Um, I, I don't know if it's specific for Ontario, but they took the ox like Oxycontin was completely gone. So that's when the IV drug use started happening in our city because we switched from oxy, couldn't get the oxys anymore. So we're getting hydromorphs and morphine and all those, right? So you're not going to, you got to smash them. That's how the IV drug use for me started was yeah. the, uh, the 2009 the in 2009 in America is when oxy went from OC to OP. Okay. That's when you couldn't crush an oxy anymore yes, because it was yes. like gel tablets yes, yes. and they were the OPs instead of the yes. OCs. That's how it was so, here too. Okay, yep, 2009. And I yeah. think by like 2010, it was really dry. That's yeah. when like people ran out of their leftovers kind of oh, deal. Yeah. You know what oh, I mean? Yeah, for 
So a lot of people were switching to either if yeah. you were really addicted to the pill, you were like me and you went to Roxy 30s. Yes. Or if you yes. were just straight up addicted, you went to dope. Let's be real. Yeah. Well, that's there was no down in Sudbury at the time. There was no actual legit heroin. Um, it was all pills. It was all prescription pills. And then there was a huge fentanyl patch thing where everybody was smoking fentanyl patches and they were like 600 bucks a piece and every, people were losing their houses and the fent- that was our first experience in regards to fentanyl so you could be on 150 mils of methadone if you're smoking patches you're still dope sick no matter what so people were just everybody was losing everything right so now yeah. are you living with your parents as a teenager when this is going on um okay so i got into a relationship really young um that spanned about 13 years he's the father of my fir- my two oldest girls and uh yeah he what is really young to you i was 15 and he okay. was 20 so okay. um i left i left my parents place i haven't i hadn't been there since i was probably 16 we got our own place it's totally a volatile relationship domestic violence um all of it uh, but yeah, so I left. My mom knew what was going on. She just, I think she kind of buried her head in the sand for a really long time. Because as long as I was Are your parents home, normies? Are your parents um, like normies or like, casu- well, casual drinkers? Oh, heavy drinkers. I okay. should say that. <laughs> yeah, no, heavy drinkers. Um, but they're not like drinking to the point where they have like, a, it's making their life unmanageable. Oh, you know, there's no, a difference. No, 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 so no, the, no People no. can be a heavy drinker, yeah. but, you know, they the, show up to work. Function, they pay their yes. bills. Oh, yes. You yes, know, yes. it doesn't mean you're an alcoholic if you can drink. Yeah. You know, yes, it means yes. it, you're an alcoholic if you're using that substance to escape. Yes. But if you're just like somebody who enjoys the drink and your bills are paid and your responsibilities are met and your life isn't unmanageable, yeah. you're not an alcoholic, in my opinion. Yeah. yeah. Um, so you can drink every day and not be an alcoholic, in my yeah. opinion. It depends on why you drink and how the rest of your life looks, right? Yeah. Um, how you feel inside, how your body feels and all that kind of stuff. But anyway, yeah. so, okay, I can see them being like, you know what, are you the oldest or the only? Or I'm are you the, the oldest. I have okay. a younger brother. So that makes sense, too, because that's why I figure whenever you're the oldest or the only, it's more like we did our best. That, yeah, absolutely. And, yeah. you know, um, and if you're the oldest, it's like we have another chance right here and, you know, yeah. we did our best and we just yeah. got to put our concentration on him now. Pretty much. That's pretty much what happened. Well, I, I, I shouldn't say that. I had my daughter. My parents have been amazing. I have I had an amazing childhood. Um, You know, I grew up with every I had every opportunity in the world to be a productive member of society. College paid. Um, all of it, but I fucked up pretty much. How, right. Can I ask how your brother is my, okay. So my brother was an active addiction while he was in, in town here. Then he moved to Toronto, um, about 10 years ago and he hasn't come back and he's probably alive because he hasn't come back and That's he cool. won't come back. Yeah. yeah. Good. That's good. Yeah. At least he knows. And at least he found a yeah. way to like, yes. you know, not escape it, but find a way to live a happier life, you know? Yeah. Everybody's dead. Right. So, so yeah. Yeah. So Statistically, you're now, I should be dead. <laughs> yeah. Really. Now you're with this dude. You're 15. He's 20. When did you have your first kid? At 16? 21. I had her at 21. Oh, so you so, guys were together for five, six years before you even oh, had. Oh yeah, 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 oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay. Yeah. Um. Yeah, but I was using the whole time. Then I got pregnant. I was on methadone. I kicked it. Um. Early pregnancy because I didn't want to get CPS involved. Right? They were involved anyways, but. That was really my worry is because if you're on methadone, you're getting a call to CPS if you're you're pregnant, right? Um, so, yeah, I stayed sober throughout my pregnancy. And then when she was born, I was back at it. And yeah, she was five when my mom and dad took custody of her. 
Okay. All right. So now how you said that relationship wasn't a good one, though. Oh, no, it was so he was. Yeah, he was violent and very mentally unstable. Um, I just didn't know any different. I didn't know how to be me without him. Um, And that that was it was the hardest thing to get out of. I didn't want to be in that relationship for years and years and years, but I didn't know how to function without him being part of me. Right. So, and he was a good dad. Um, as a matter, as much as how fucked up he was in his own addiction and all that shit, he was always good to my girls. Right. So when did you have your second kid? How old were you? Mm. Cadence and Aria are seven years apart. Oh shit. So you were like 28. Yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah. So she, I, I left him when she was four months old. And then moved in with somebody right away. Got pregnant first time we were together. So he adopted Fee. He, or my, we call her Fee. He adopted my daughter. And we ended up getting pregnant with another, uh, Emily, my my youngest. And that was the relationship that, I, like, I thought, first guy was bad? Oh, fuck. <laughs> yeah, it was awful. It was awful. The second one? Oh, yeah, it was. Um you know, great guy when he's sober, um, but he gets really bad psychosis. So he struggled with mental health for a long time. So he would always be convinced that I'd have people hiding that were coming to get him and that I would get it. Right. So um, that's how that started was the psychosis. And then it just. Yeah. And you had one or two kids with him. Just the one. Yeah. Just the one. OK. The middle, now, yeah. how long did you stay in that relationship? Because you were 28 when you met him. Right. Five years. Yeah, I think five years. Um, We lost our kids. We lost the kids. They were young. Emily wasn't even two. And then we lost the house and we just took off. My parents took the kids and we just took off pretty much. And I was living out of trap houses. And you're not um, getting arrested during this time. But you're just just losing the kids because of people finding out that you're high and the kids are there. Okay, so my mom knew something was going on. She we lived right next door to her and Mark's uh, mom lived across the street and they knew something was up. Um, I think they were really hoping we were going to get our shit together and pull through it, but we didn't. And my mom did call children's aid. So um, she took the kids children's aid. She did up. for you what you couldn't do for yourself. Oh, absolutely. I, I, I couldn't get out of it. I, yeah. I wanted those kids gone. So bad. like not, you understand not gone, I mean. but, but you I wanted them safe. to be safe. I yes. wasn't safe for them. And he was not safe for them. He was out of control. So I, I was so blessed that my mom stepped up and took them. And children's age showed up. They were going to leave. They were like, you got a beautiful house. There's food in the fridge. You're good. And I said, no, I need help. So that's when we signed the girls over. And I was just supposed to go to treatment and then get them back. And that never ended up happening. It was about a two-year relapse. Like, it was a two-year run after the girls were with my parents just trap house to trap house oh yeah like mark was in a in a jail and i was you know i was escorting and um yeah he went to jail and then the my plug who was also like my pimp you know putting odds up and and uh, paying for cell phones in the places and whatever um and then i ended up getting pregnant and i thought it was my baby dad's and it wasn't it was so the baby came out mixed race in the delivery room and that was awesome <laughs> that's how you knew that's how we knew <laughs> yeah so it, for what it's for what it's worth you're the second person also 
that has told me that where yeah. they, you know, they were expecting the baby to be the yeah. other baby's dad. And yeah. then they forgot that they were really drunk one night and slept with their boss at the Mexican yeah. restaurant they worked at. So when the baby came out brownish, they knew. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> they but, knew. Honestly, Mark was involved, like, he was making me do it. You know, he was, I was, he was making me trade services to this guy. I was going to say that he had to have known that oh, you were he was like waiting in the truck. Like, he was waiting in the truck. Like he, I, he drive me there, make me go do it. Tell me if I didn't come out with two bags, he bashed my fucking head in. And, so he was trafficking you. Oh, absolutely. Oh, absolutely. That's, I was, yeah. yeah. For those oh, that absolutely. don't know, just giving them a ride and telling them to go in there is sex trafficking. Oh yeah. Like, He's, you know, he, when I was like out on the street, um working he was sitting across that street the whole time if i was talking to other girls he'd be like you just missed the fucking car back to work like he pimped me out in every every sense of the word absolutely and this um, was not not your plug but you know no, your baby dad pl- yes the father of emily yes, yes yeah yes. so and okay it's, yeah it's unfortunate because he gets to walk away and get clean and i have the stigma of that on me for the rest of my life right so that's the part that's really frustrating for me yeah, yeah, you know, I, I almost, I, I like to try to take control back in being a stigma, right, and just, yeah. like, kind of own it, you know, yeah, and just oh, and call myself a walking stigma, because yes, it's a lot yes. easier, because if I'm calling myself a stigma, you can't hurt me with any of your stigmas. Well, that's what I say, I tell my story so nobody else has to, right? Yep. Um, and when I say that I, I have to live with this, it's pretty much regards to, like, the children's aid, like, CPS, Um they don't have that on him. You know, they don't, I wasn't going around saying, Oh, he was doing this to me and that to me, but they know everything that was going on in regards to sex work on my behalf. Right. So that's the thing that's really frustrating for me is I'm in court trying to get our daughter back from him and he's looking like a rose and I'm looking like a, you know, so that's the part that's really frustrating for me at this point. Which I can see, you know, how long did you, you know, live that life of, you know, being trafficked, basically? Two years. Two years. Yeah. Was it years. all over the city or just all over, like, one part of Kent? Like, were you just, like, it all was, over the oh, Providence? Well, like, okay, so, Mark, we would break up and I'd go back to the plug and then he would bring me to Toronto or whatever. I, yeah, I, I worked in big cities a couple times. and But normally it's there's one street. It's called Kathleen. All the girls work it, and it's that's it. That's just how it is here. Small, small town, right? So, yeah. Okay. But yeah, it was about two, three years that I was, uh, I was doing it. Are you getting arrested for it for prostitution? Oh no, it's legal here. Absolutely not. No. Um, it's oh, it is. It's, oh yeah, it's legal to for for sex workers. Um, it's illegal for Johns. So the the cops would follow the Johns like. Mark would sit there and he'd watch me and then the cops would, because people would call and be like, she's being pimped the fuck out. And, you know, it's the cops so would roll up and... crazy to me then that the person, that what the part of it that is illegal is the part of it that right now is just being allowed to skate right through. And yeah. the person who was doing something yeah. legally then, because yeah. it's Absolutely. not like you were breaking a law because nope. I didn't nope. know that. Holy shit. No, not like no. Breaking a law, so like I don't see, you know, you were just going to work. I was just going to work, and exactly, that's exactly what it was. Um, but I loved him, and I was sick, and I would never have told him. Time to said yeah. exactly, you know, what would be the point? I'd be out there on my own. At least with him, when he was there, 
Um, the only thing that was positive is that nobody was going to hurt me. Right. Because he was there and yeah, that was, it, yeah, that was the only and, good part about it. And, and that's what happens too. And, and meanwhile, you're still, are you, are you now an IV user? Oh yeah. I, uh, IV cocaine is what spiraled us completely out of control. I now, was addicted the first time I did it. Okay. Now I know that people go one or two ways when it comes to that, because like, you have the people that get completely emaciated from that yeah, oh, or was, you yeah. oh you were oh i was okay. 90 pounds yeah yeah holy shit um i i contracted hepatitis c within the first couple months of of iv drug use um yeah i'm gonna need you to send me over do you have any pictures like before uh, and afters yeah i could find some yeah definitely, okay cool sure. yeah because yeah because that's i always think uh whenever they get candidate and crack you know i is i think of the old mayor yeah. <laughs> oh, poor Doug Ford. <laughs> or is it Rob Ford? It's Rob, Rob Ford. Ford. Yeah, Rob, Rob Ford. Ford. Yeah. His brother I... is his brother's our premier right now. So yeah. Oh, he's, really? He's Doug Ford. Yeah. He's a okay. character too. <laughs> no, yeah. I always think of Rob Ford. Um, yeah. and I had somebody on my show talking about smoking crack in Canada with their boss. And oh, yeah. um, and so, so I I found there. a bunch of pictures of Rob Ford and I had him on the screen because it made me laugh so hard to think right. of those two. the pictures yeah. of him in the motel room smoking right? are some of the funniest pictures you're ever going to see know. on the internet. Uh, <laughs> Rob Ford. Okay, so yeah. So sorry. Go ahead. You're you're shooting. Um, cr- is it crack cocaine? It was just uh soft Co- like cocaine. Yeah, powder okay. cocaine. So you're shooting coke now, like you're not even doing opiates now. No, you not at all. Walk the streets, right? Yeah, there was no point of doing opiates. I was up. No, yeah, no, it was all cocaine, cocaine, cocaine. Yeah. yeah do a call, that... get a gram. Do a call, get a gram. That's it. That's how it was. Like the strip was here, the plug was here, and I was just back and forth, back and forth, back and forth all day, every day, up for day. Yeah, it was. And then he was bad, bad psychosis where he was jumping out the window. Our fourth four-story friggin' apartment window thinking I was trying to I'd get bad guys to kill him and it was a nightmare yeah <laughs> it, it was his psychosis brought on by meth no it was the IV cocaine it was yeah. okay I because mean, oh, yeah, cocaine psychosis yeah because yeah, yeah that, that was my next I wasn't sure but still like that kind of you know wild psychosis yeah oh, I was, it was thinking unbelievable I'm like, he turned into a different person I had no idea who this man was but you uh, said, yeah, and, and plus, if you already have any kind of mentally unstable thing, oh, yeah. just, you know, yeah, regularly yeah, being yeah. sober, it's just going to yeah. intensify exponentially yeah, if you yeah. just incorporate that in yeah. there. So you're not getting arrested for this. No, you know, not at all. And, no. Which is, and never, what about, did you ever have, never got arrested for like possession either? Because I've never, I, the first time I went to jail was when I went to jail. <laughs> I, uh, you know, I'd been in on the weekend, you know, in the, holding cell or whatever but yeah no when i was on range that was the first time that i've ever sat there in the bucket yeah I'd never and we're gonna catch up we're gonna catch up to that because my other question is um is, is it because you never had drugs on you for long enough to get arrested for it like were you always just getting enough to get by in that moment yeah oh okay. yeah no I, I never had large quantities of drugs never that's never, why never. okay if i had drugs i was doing them like i was so yeah no no it was always you know, if I had 50 bucks, I was getting a 50 piece and I was doing it. And yeah. Going, yeah. So that's a long couple of years doing that now. Yeah. Um, but that that takes you to your mid 30s. Now, when you last December, what did you get arrested for? Human trafficking. And there was nine um, charges associated with human trafficking. And then I got charged with trafficking of fentanyl and trafficking of cocaine. 
Okay, we definitely skipped over something now, I feel like. <laughs> yeah, that all happened afterwards. <laughs> okay, so okay, yeah. okay, so you were trafficked for a couple years, yeah. like we just talked about. Yeah, so now my... now now you're 33. What ha- right? Yeah. Yeah. What happens at 33 that changes? Okay, so me and Mark broke up. He got clean, I got clean. Um, I got back into my kids' lives. I was living at home with my parents. Now, um, why did you both get clean then? I left. I went to the shelter. I went to the domestic violence shelter. You just had enough. I, I was going to kill myself. Yeah, I was going to die. Okay. Yeah. yeah, I was very... We were living in this roach-infested little room with a mattress, and I was... It, he was overdosing all the time, and it was just... I had to leave. Yeah, yep. I had to leave. And then he left. He got clean, and I never talked to him again. I haven't talked to him. I, it was literally... We parted ways and never spoke again. Okay. Now, when you got clean, did you go to a rehab or you just go home? No, I just went to the shelter. And then my mom and dad, um, I I reached out to to Children's Aid about seeing my kids. And when my mom got comfortable with Children's Aid being comfortable, that's when she started letting me come home. Um, My son had been adopted. He was apprehended at birth, right? So my son had been adopted by a family friend of ours. She took him right from the hospital. Um, My mom is such a saint. Like, she hadn't hadn't seen her in years, two years or whatever. She just caught wind that I had had the baby and showed up at the hospital. Uh, She had already had three other kids, and she showed up at the hospital to take him home. And they were ready. The foster mother was there and everything. And my mom called a lawyer, and he said, go get him. So my mom went and got him and uh, she waited until the friend was approved by, by CPS. And uh, then Jamie took him and her and her husband have raised him. And he thinks I'm his aunt. He knows he grew in my tummy, but he calls me Auntie Mel and I get to watch him grow up and we have him all the time. So yeah, I'm blessed. It worked out. Yeah, it definitely worked out. Yeah. Yeah. So, anyways, um, yeah, and like so you my... said, your your parents have been great this entire time, oh, which is oh, so know, amazing because yeah. a lot of, you know, and I'm like you where I came, you know, from parents that have been together for 40 years. Right. Mine they too, met in early 80s. Yeah. yeah and they they got married in 85 and they had yes. me at 86 when me they were 23. Yeah. Same thing. Yeah. Oh, they were so. Funny. Yeah. <laughs> so my parents, you know, and they're still very happy to this day. Mine I just too. I yeah. just hung up with being on, on the phone with my dad for like a half an hour yeah. when you were messaging saying you were ready. I was on the phone yeah. with my dad because we're like yeah. best friends. Yeah. Um, and that's and that's how and I'm glad and we're very fortunate because there's a lot of people that I talk to that are like us, but don't have that support. Right? Uh, uh, my mom, like if, if I wanted help, if I was dead, like if she'd give me a shot, no matter what, yeah. even when I was in active addiction and she was still coming to my my dad would be bringing my girls for an hour at my apartment and just so I could see my girls consistently, they didn't have to do that. No, they knew I was using, but they went yeah. did the supervised. Well, visit. you know, they were trying to give you a reason. To, a, a reason, exactly. To, and they were like, "Look at what you're missing out on, Mel." Right, right, like, right. You could and be then having got, this too. Yeah, and then I got arrested, and they were so happy that I got arrested, and um, they weren't going to bail me out. They weren't going to help me get out. They wanted me to sit. They put money in my canteen every Friday. They made sure I had everything I needed. They let me talk to my kids. They, I, I talked to my mom every day. She was a soldier through that whole thing. She was scared awesome. initially. Way to the go, charges mom. are, yeah, she's a, she's a saint. 
Absolutely. Yeah. All right. Now, so, but we're still, we're skipping. Yeah. And because (laughs) you got clean and you went, you know, you went to the shelter and you got clean. Yeah. And you're 33. You're doing pretty good. How long did you stay pretty good? Never. Not at all. Okay. So you went to the shelter. You went to the shelter. Now, when you're at the shelter. Yeah. yeah, So so it was about six months of, okay. So I stayed at the shelter. I was trying to get an apartment. I had to pay off um, what I owed to subsidize housing to get into housing. This episode is sponsored by MJ's Progress Not Perfection Meeting Center Association. We are in our meeting center where we do all these meetings for mental health and addiction. I can do this podcast anywhere. I can do this at home. I can do this in a closet. I can do this in a basement. It doesn't matter. All I need is somebody else to talk to about addiction and recovery. What I can't do from anywhere is help people with their addiction and their mental health problems. If you can help out, you know, we do have a Venmo, we have a Cash App, we have a PayPal, we have an address you can send a check to. And, you know, all the money that gets donated goes towards rent, goes towards keeping the lights on, and goes towards keeping the internet on. So please, you know, if you can get five bucks, 10 bucks, 20 bucks, it doesn't matter. Anything you can is so appreciated. And if you are a local business, if you're a national business, whatever, and you want to be a part of what we're doing, you know, you can reach out to me and we can talk about how you can be a sponsor. But I'll let you get back to the episode. So I stayed there, paid it off and then got out and relapsed. But my parent, nobody knew I was doing it on the DL. I was only doing it once a month. I'd get my disability check. I'd go to my apartment. I'd use, come home the next day, and I'd look, have that to look forward to. That's what it was for the longest time, almost two years, I think, or a year and a half. And then COVID hit. And uh, we were getting all this this money. They were just giving us money. Like, I got 16 grand from the government. And that's when I fell right off. My parents, I was, I was using in the house. I was, um, yeah, it was bad. And they, they, they kicked me out. Yeah, so. Yeah, and then it was the fentanyl. I got into the fentanyl. So when they was, kicked you out, where did you go? I had an apartment. I've always had an apartment that I keep. It's only a hundred bucks, right? I'm in subsidized housing. So even right now, I have it, but I live oh, with okay. my girls. Yeah. Okay, that makes sense. Yeah. So they kick you out. You go back to your apartment. Now yeah. that you're really alone, now you can really just let go because oh, no awful. one's, you yeah. know, no one's supervising. You don't have to like stay looking good no. for anybody or no, stay no, looking yeah. even. Yeah. So, so then you get then you discover fentanyl for real yeah, fentanyl, not the patches like fentanyl. they were ten no, years car ago. Fentanyl, car fentanyl, yeah. Yeah. So now when you find that, yeah. is that when you meet any new plugs that you know people oh, that you shouldn't yeah, be meeting? Absolutely, and that's when the sex work started again. Um, I was robbing everybody. I was, uh, yeah, it was terrible. Um, I was oh, like overdosing. going on going on dates just to rob them. Oh yeah. Oh, br- yeah. 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 Robin Johns, Robin, anybody, fuck anybody who had money and dope, I'd be robbing them. And, uh, and this is during COVID. Did you get COVID at all? No, 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 we're not. We don't, we're in Northern Ontario right now. We have lots of cases, but we were really, Oh, the yeah, whole okay. time. yeah, no, no. Yeah. Um, again, so, small town. Yeah. Small town. Right. Um, so that whole time I was overdosing all the time and, uh, I called my aunt. I had a bad overdose where it took like 12 Narcans to get me going again. Were you using with other people and that's how you kept getting revived? Yeah. Oh, yeah. I was getting. Okay. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, so my aunt showed up at my house, my dad's sister, and 
she took me to the hospital. She took me to the psych ward. And I stayed in the psych ward for three months. And I have really bad PTSD, right? So I have really bad flashbacks. So I was having a hard time sleep. Like I wouldn't sleep. I'd be up for days and days and days. And the only way I would sleep was when I would crash and I had to sleep, like physically had to sleep. Um, other than that, I was, I couldn't be alone. I, I'd be panicked so bad that I'd be like vomiting. Um, so I went to the psych ward and I got 13 rounds of shock treatment. And that saved my life in regards to my mental health. Um, I, my flashbacks are like minimal, minimal now, totally manageable. Um, yeah. So I stayed in the psych ward. Three months, got out, relapsed, went on a tear for a while, and that's when I got arrested. So during this tear, you started doing sex work again, and um, I guess you met a John that, can you get into it all or no? Yeah, okay, so at my apartment, there was just everybody, like, there was, we're all drug addicts hanging out. You know, um, it's a trap house our, that's it's, it's yeah, a trap it's house a trap that's house. getting paid for. Right. Like, like trap houses aren't paid for, so it's a trap Absol- house that's, that's paying the bills. <laughs> absolutely. So we had, you know, the guys were robbing people and and you know ripping everybody off. The girls were doing sex work, and then there was just this one girl who was like, "You get fucking smoking my dope all the time. I'm not feeding you fucking crack, bud. Pull weight." And that's the human trafficking. Oh, because you told somebody, hey, you can't smoke my shit unless you're giving us some money. Fucking right. So and then she took that as, oh, I need to do some sex work, too. So So, now now that makes you implicated because you advised her to go do that and how to do it or where to go and and how to do it. So that when they got they got me for trafficking of fentanyl and this is fucked. So because I would, she would do a call, I would take her money and then I would go buy dope. That's the trafficking because I went and got dope for her and brought it back to her. That's the trafficking. How fucking stupid is that? And it's just you and a friend using with each other and getting Whoa. each other's back. You're, She'd you're... Be doing, she was doing the same thing. I'd give her money and she'd go down and yeah. the plug. And so, exactly. You know what I mean? Yeah, so, and I totally see that. It's almost like harm reduction. Like, you're using together, and you're right. watching each other's backs. Right, and, um, and we I could see all the time. We didn't want to use alone. That was the whole yeah. point. That's harm reduction. <laughs> yeah, like, and I I could see how you would be implicated as in because, uh, and, only be, and only because of, like, you giving direction. And, it's, oh, and it yeah. was only you just being a friend and being like, Oh, yeah. no, you don't want to do it that way. I did it that way for years, yes. and I wish I would have known this way, yes. because this way is a lot easier. Yes. And all you're doing is just giving some advice from, yeah. like, an old-timer who had been there. And that's what I say, like, in my content, I say there's a huge umbrella of human trafficking charges. When I was out on bail and the Crown was comparing me to these guys in Toronto putting gr- guns to girls' heads and beating the shit, how are you going to compare me to that? There's, it's like, it's a spectrum, bro. I'm on the other end of it. You can't, you know what I mean? But because of who my baby dad is, and he's, he just got, he did seven years. He's doing seven years for human trafficking. He showed me the ropes. He, and because they know that they, they got me, they made an example of me and made me sit. So, yeah. Yeah. And, and, you know, and to their credit, you know, there are plenty of women that are madams. And because they don't want to be doing it themselves. That's what I said. Okay. 
when women but madams don't fuck. yeah madams aren't madams don't fuck madams aren't but but madams started as escorts and then All they became madams exactly they yep. don't it's it, when women do these offenses it's not it's very rarely just for profit it's because like honestly i even had the idea fuck brothels are legal in canada i'm i could keep my girls safe i know what to do like it, it and, and it's, it's such a gray area, and, it's, and, and, a, and it's such a gray area since yes. prostitution's legal. Yes, right? That, uh, how, what's the difference to you owning a house and letting girls, you know, work out of the house as yes. opposed to you giving a ride? Right. You know, it's just yes. that gray area of you giving roof, whether it was the car or the house, and it, right. it is such a gray area since prostitution is legal. Right. And, you know, because the United States, it would be and I think that's why you get so much hate. Yes. Because people in the United States don't understand. Have you made because, yes. like I said, I don't learn too much about you before we talk. Yeah. So I didn't watch a lot of your content yet. I've seen some that caught my attention, you know, for me to say, hey, let me learn more about you. But I didn't yeah. watch all. Of it. Yeah. Have you talked about how prostitution is legal in Canada? Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. I didn't know, you know, I didn't know this, you know, and, and I think oh. it's important that people in our country know that it is because i think that would make your light a little bit better in, in a mm-hmm. sense that in america if you were doing that shit here bell you would be guilty as fuck because Absolutely. prostitution is illegal you Absolutely. can't do that you yeah. can't do that so there's no gray area it's and black that's and what white. i'm trying to get across to these people yeah. it's like there is a huge it's like with sex offenses and this is what i um i compared it to you could be the guy who molested his kids or you could be the guy who whipped out his dick and took, took a piss in the park and still get a fucking sex charge. You know what I mean? It's the same fucking thing. I it wasn't is. forcing nobody to do nothing, bro. And I am pleading guilty to my to what I was guilty of. But that's it. You know? Yeah. Like, I did threaten to kill her. I'll plead to that. But you know what I mean? I'm not pleading to fucking human trafficking. That wasn't what it was. And when I said that on TikTok... I did it for my own. I just needed to fucking talk about it, bro. I just needed to, and even just to raise, raise awareness to put that initial video out and say, listen, I was fucking, I was trafficked and then I and hurt people, hurt people. Right. And now I can make videos and say, okay, if this is what you might be in a human trafficking situation right now. Here are the red flags. That's raising awareness. If I didn't give a fuck about girls that are in that industry, I wouldn't be doing that. It saved my life. There was so much yeah. good um, that came out of this. It was because I went 36 years without fucking getting in trouble. My friends were all in and out. My baby dads were all in and out of jail. People are dying. Everybody's dead. Everybody's dead. Um, the kids are buddy, safe. The kids yeah. are safe with your parents. Exactly. Exactly. You're not hurting so, anybody but you. I was never hurting anybody but myself. And that's until you did. Until I did. But it saved my life. If I hadn't yep. gotten arrested, I would be dead by now. There was one time where I was doing fentanyl and I don't even remember. I don't Shit, if it wasn't for COVID, if it wasn't for COVID, you'd be dead right now. Yes. Think yes. about that shit. Cause then you still yes. would have been in jail getting high, Mel. Yes. If it wasn't yes. for COVID drying that place out. Yep. You would still, if it, you needed that yep. Suboxone and, you know, whatever, you yep. needed that little bit of clarity, 
that couple days here and a couple days there to go, oh, I am fucking up. I can do yeah. this differently. Yeah. You know, so if it wasn't for COVID, a fucking worldwide pandemic killing 800,000 people yeah. saved your life. Yeah, absolutely. So it's not even you going to jail. You know, you being in jail helped during COVID because you wouldn't have been dried up. Yeah. Let, let's be real. You weren't in jail. You know, obviously you were able to get high during COVID. So yeah. it was just the combination of jail and COVID that saved your life. Yeah. Oh, absolutely. You know? So um, jail at time you would have kept using. Yeah. Oh, yeah, 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 for sure. But OK, so even like when you go in there, you're totally you. It's survival mode. Right. So you you become a diff- completely different person. And when I was in there. And I was seeing these girls who are frequent flyers that are go in there for, you know, 12 months or whatever, and then back on road and then back in. Fuck, but I don't want to be a 50-year-old crackhead. I'm sorry, but I don't want that life, bud. I don't want my 15-year-old child to be embarrassed because she has the same last name as me, right? Because I'm out on the strip shaking my ass trying to make money, you know? And and I was looking, and because I was clear-headed and clear-minded and level-headed, and I was looking at these girls going, fuck, I don't want this anymore. And it saved my life. And there's something else I want to talk about. So when I, I was on methadone for, since I was a teenager. And when I got released from jail, my mom, because she knew I was sober, she let me come home. She let me see the kids. And she said, if you want to give it one last shot, we're taking you to camp. You're going on Suboxone so you can get it out at the little town and wherever, wherever we are. So I got switched to Suboxone and something just changed. It was like the receptors were blocked in my, cause that's what it does, right? It blocks the receptors in your brain. If you're at a good level, a, a good dose that crave the drugs. So then, so I'm on Suboxone for a couple, like maybe a month. And the pharmacist out at my cottage said, why don't you go on Sublocade? Then you don't have to come here all the time. It's a once a month injection. I'm like, what? the fuck are you talking about once a month yeah it's like vivitrol like, yeah. right yeah so now i'm on sublocade and i go i'm i don't have to go to that methadone clinic anymore no more urine samples no more fucking triggers from those people i i don't mean to say those people but i've i turn into a different human being when i'm down there around them right i get it i used to doctor shop and yes. you, when you walk into the waiting room of those, you know, when, when they used to be the pill mills back in the day, decade ago, yeah. you know, and when you say those people, I know exactly what you mean. And it's just, yeah. it's our people, right? It's our those people. Those people are, are our, our people. people. All right. Yeah. And <laughs> you know, we I were those people. Down there talking yeah. about who got punched out, who's in jail, who just got jacked. You know, I don't want to talk about that shit. I don't want that life. I don't want to be that Melissa. That Melissa didn't do fucking nothing for me my whole life, you know? So now that I don't have to go there anymore and I don't, 17 years tied liquid handcuffs to that place. Yeah. So I feel liberated can be very beneficial, but only for a short period of time, right? Like anything else, it can run out and it it will. And that's the problem is you can still get high the entire time. Oh, and I did. I did. Yeah. And that's the other problem with Suboxone. It's a lot harder. And plus it's, and plus the craving difference with the craving, yes, the huge yes, deal. Yes, yes, you know, yes. I know somebody that went 18 months on a Vivitrol shot. Um, he was on my show, a good buddy of mine. And a, for 18 months, he got a shot. And then now he, then he stopped and it's been five years and he's still clean and sober and hasn't wow. had or thought about drinking or a drug. That's amazing. So, That's you know, amazing. some of the things that people can do with Matt is amazing. Yeah. And the oh, things yeah. that are attached to it, just wear it. 
there's going to be people talking. It's the lesser of all evils, bro. <laughs> it yeah. is. Yeah, I'm, I'm so over the stigmas of, oh, you use cannabis, you use Suboxone. Oh, like, you, fuck you, off. Fuck. Yep, Jinx. Honestly, you, have, <laughs> you <laughs> have, nobody has the right to tell you about your own recovery journey, bro. Yeah. I don't go to AA. I don't fuck with the steps. I don't do anything like that. But I got my own program. TikTok is part of my program. And it you can be. I mean? And it's a Absolutely. huge recovery network. It is your meeting. This yes. is a meeting. I know you don't yes. fuck with AA. I do. I yeah, fuck yeah. with the no, steps. Yeah, yeah. No, I used to. And, I used to. Yeah, and I think the steps are extremely beneficial for anybody, Absolutely not just an alcoholic or an act. But, you know, um, when it comes down to it, no one came to my AA meeting at 9 a.m. today, Mel. So this is my meeting. A yes, one-on-one yes, conversation yes, of one yes. alcoholic talking to another, right? Yeah. Yeah. So, you know, and I, I went to AA for a really, really long time. I love the program. My wife do. What is that shadow work? That's her program. My That okay. shadow work like that. I've never heard of it. Craft meditation kind of shit. Okay. Like that realm of being like yeah. a witchcraft kind of thing. Yeah, yeah. He's been doing okay. shadow work since she got sober and we're coming up on two years in February. Wow. Eh? Oh, hey, and I haven't touched I it in four years in April. So I had a relapse from my, I got clean from opiates in April, 2018, and I stopped drinking as well. Um, And I was using cannabis the entire time, but responsibly. You don't anymore? No, I still do. You wouldn't know if I didn't tell you. I don't get, I don't get hot. Yeah, 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 yeah. Smoke weed. I can't smoke weed anymore. Um, One, I wanted to change my relationship. That was the whole point of using cannabis, right, was to change my relationship with it. So like I used to smoke get high right away yeah. to escape right away i used to sniff yeah. pills to escape right away yes, yes. chug and not just sit my drink to escape yes right away. yeah so now i i, I microdose with the capsules not even edibles but capsules i take them with my blood pressure medicine you know what i mean and yeah. it comes it works its way through my system when it needs to i i it's not something that i escape with right Is away it legal where you are I'm a medical marijuana patient in Pennsylvania. Okay. Yeah. Okay. Okay. Uh, okay. On, on top of that, too, the other thing is, <laughs> nine and a half years of being addicted to roxycodone, I never did heroin because I loved pills so much, and I patient yeah. on thirties for nine and a half years with a job the entire time, like owned a company, you know, a family. Oh business. yeah, you can function. Oh, you can definitely function. I was sniffing them the entire time too. Me I never- too. Yeah. I was addicted to sniffing as much as Me I was. Too. You know, I would be like line up like six thirties in a row and just like yeah. and just gonzo. You remember you know? that oxy hangover that you would get? Did you ever get that the next day with the headache and everything? Because you just did snorted way too much oxy. Yeah. The and then before. you get and you do more though. Then, then you, you do, do more. more. <laughs> exactly. Uh, but, but yeah, I, I so but I also was withdrawn a lot in nine and a half years. So yeah. every time I withdraw, I threw a bile and a Ooh. lot of. And like um, to the point where into three years at post opiates, I had to lose my gallbladder oh. because it stopped functioning because all the bio I lost over the years. And uh. I like a lot of stomach tissue where my gallbladder is because it started eating away at the stomach tissue. Mm-hmm. So I have permanent damage there. And when I smoked cannabis, it makes me cough, obviously. And then yeah. that runs from your stomach to your spine. And it hits the back of my stomach where there's no tissue to protect it anymore. And it hurts like a motherfucker. So I don't smoke for a bunch of reasons now besides the fact that, you know, escapism. It's also that it physically hurts me. And I don't do things that make my life unmanageable anymore. Right. Absolutely. If I was to continue smoking, even though it physically hurt me, 
I would consider myself an addict because that's it's addict my, behavior. It's that's addict my behavior. Addictive, but I'm still doing it. That's so, addict behavior for sure. Yeah. No, I. That's the part of step one that I focus on the most. It's not that my life was my I was powerless. It's that my life was unmanageable. Yeah, I was powerless. I was powerless because my life was unmanageable. Yeah. People people always forget, and the other ad people that aren't addicts don't know. They always say the first step's always admitting it. It's like it's fucking not. You know no. what I mean? It's really not. It's about understanding the first step and understanding where your unmanageability comes into it. You know, um, that's Honestly, why I think yeah. Yeah. Um, because it's not about the drug. It's about finding new solutions to our life. Your problem wasn't that you were shooting coke all day long. Your solution to your problems was shooting coke all day long. Oh, yeah, for sure. I, I, I the case. So I had to be high because I couldn't. Live with I yourself. Live with myself that my kids weren't with me. That's why it was like, got a numb, got a numb, got a numb. Because if I was sober, then I can think, I'm thinking about the fucking, these babies being without their mom and dad. You know what I mean? And that for well, me, I couldn't, that was always the root of my shit was Well, kids. so people always, people get sober and they quickly forget, you know, we, we pick up our cliches and our phrases when we get sober, right? Yeah. And one of those is one day at a time, right? We yeah. hear it all the time. Mm-hmm. But we fast we, I don't know what it is, but everyone quickly forgets that one day at a time is how we lived our life, our Back entire then. lives. Yes. It was, yes. you know, how many times were you getting high and you're like, I could, I don't need this. I could use this first thing in the morning to jumpstart my day, but fuck it. I'll figure that out tomorrow. I'm going to get high now. Oh, That's yeah. living could, one day at a time. Right. Could you wake up to dope? I could never wake up to dope. I nope. was doing that bag that night and yep. I figure it out the next day. Yep, you but figure it out. But there's some addicts that'll just stoosh a little bit so they're not sick in the morning. Fuck that. I was never no, like that. It, my, my motto so was that's, that's, that's tomorrow JD's problem. Exactly. How many times I yes. said that's tomorrow JD's problem? Yes, yes. <laughs> you know, know and, and I was driving two hours to get my pills. In the last oh, three years wow. of my addiction, I was driving two hours dealing with Philly traffic just to go grab and then drive back again. Ooh. And and the problem is too our ego because like I remember one time I had I was paying this dude to drive out to me because I was too sick to do the drive and I yeah. could afford to have him drive to me if I paid him a hundred bucks oh you know fuck, and <laughs> so for and he's a younger kid so he was going to take the hundred bucks oh, and yeah, get some free pills sure. out of it yeah. so you know I know that I had twenty pills coming to me right and I'm doing the math I'm like all right. You're always doing that math. You're like, all right, always. I'll do I'll do two right away, and I'll feel good again. Like I won't be high, but I won't be hurting. And then I'll have a lot to wake up to. I'll get super fucked up tomorrow, and then I'm gonna maintain with the other one. And I'm doing the math of how I'm gonna space it out. Yeah. And then, but then my ego came into play because the dude rolled in, and he had a buddy with him. He he told me he was gonna have a friend drive with him. So it was a late night, and I said that's fine. Man, I don't care. And he gets out of the car and he goes, hey, um, I'm going to smoke a blunt. I said, yeah, you can smoke a blunt. And, you know, we're in my garage. And he was like, oh, by the way, I told my buddy how you could sniff six in one line. Do you want to show him? And, of course, my oh, ego is like, line them no. up, man. And I'm like taking six thirties and banging oh, them up. Fuck, bro. Because, like, some people record themselves having sex. I had so many videos of me doing lines on my phone that I was re- – my snap, you know, my Snapchat um, history – you know, before I got clean was a lot of pictures of pills, a lot of pictures yeah. of dust, 
broken yeah. up lines and shit, and me yeah. doing lines, like that's what that's, I recorded. That's how we were with cooking. Like, cause once I went, okay, so the IV cocaine, the IV drug use, I couldn't do it anymore. I was covered in track marks, no veins. I couldn't hit nothing. It'd be, I'd be hours of just trying to fucking blood everywhere. It was, I wasn't, so I switched to crack. Did you have to mainline that, right? Crack? I no, smoked cook. it. No, uh, cook. Yeah, yeah. Oh, yeah. You, you can't, gotta, you can't just go into you the can't flesh. Muscle it. No, no, muscle. no. Okay, no, that's because, no, like no, I said, no, I never yeah. did. I never did. You know, IV. I was always yeah. a, you know, I was always no, a sniffer. You have to hit a vein. You got to pull blood. Because, because dope you can put anywhere, right? Yeah, you dope can you can hit it. anywhere. Yeah, yeah. Yes, yes, but but people shit, you see yeah. with when you see abscesses on people, or people that don't know, if you when you see the abscesses, it means they're shooting into muscle with something that they shouldn't be shooting into muscle with, like crack or meth. You should see the big fucking thing on my arm. I'm it. I'm correct, right? When I say yes, that, you are. That's what, yes, okay. you are. Yes, yes, you are. Absolutely. Okay. Um, but yeah, so I switched to crack, and that we were talking about your ego. I I thought I was the best cook in the fuck. We would have cook-offs, bro. There'd be ten of us at the stove, fuck, trying to cook. You know what I mean? Like, yeah. How that's fucked up. <laughs> like, yeah. no, you know. Like, I'm good at singing. I can play the piano. I can cook crack real good. <laughs> like, right? The fuck kind of thinking is that? I know, but it's it's <laughs> it's because we're around the people that do it. So yeah. it's such a shameful thing. <laughs> yeah, and but it was such a shameful thing of getting high. But when you were good at something and you knew other people weren't going to judge you for what you were doing, but they would judge yeah. you for how you're doing it, yeah. you knew you could show off for those yeah. people. You know, anybody else that would watch me fucking rail 180 milligrams in a second would look at me like, you need some fucking help, bro. Not these guys. guys are like cheering me on. (laughs) (laughs) You know, and the difference is and then you put yourself in those situations to be around those people that will be your cheerleader because we're so fucking broken. Like you said, you commit suicide. I have plenty of times where that must happen for me, too. And my dog saved my life. You know, and so I totally get that. So you find the moments. It's like looking back on any toxic relationship. We're going to find the moments to cheer about and that make us. And then you have to also when you look back at that toxic relationship, you have to find the moments that make you say, oh, yeah, that's why I left. Oh, yeah, yeah, that's why I'm not with that person or drug anymore. You know, that's all it is, was a toxic relationship with a substance. Mm-hmm. So I'm so glad you're doing what you're doing now with your TikToks. Like, what gave yeah. you the idea to start making TikToks? Honestly, I started doing it because of um, the end of the uh, residential school thing that was going on here, and them finding the bodies and all of that. Right? You are you educated uh, on that I at all? I know what happened okay. with, that with um, like the the Native American, not Native Americans, Indi- Native Indigenous, yes, Indigenous yep. First Thank Nations. Um, yep. But yeah, so. That's where it just started because a lot of times when I was in active addiction, because of the the generational trauma and intergenerational trauma and all that, it was First Nations people that I was using with. And when I was homeless and stuff, are you it was First them. Nation? I, yeah, part, part. my mom is. Um, so yeah, that's just how the TikTok thing started. We we me and my daughter put like a Every Child Matters thing for Canada Day, and so I was just videotaping it. And then I'm watching all these recovery creators and i'm like fuck i can fucking do that shit your algorithm gave it to you because you were yes. looking back. 
stuff yes, on your that's yes, awesome that yes, see people yes, hate yes. on algorithms and they hate their phones tracking them i love my phone yeah. tracking. i hit yes and allow my cookies on every single fucking yep. one because yep. you're gonna get ads and you're gonna show me shit regardless and yep. i remember the 90s and i remember watching commercials that i fucking hated and saying to myself i wish i could just fucking pick my commercials you can right? pick your commercial now people yeah. just say yes to the cookies because you get you they shows you it's smart it's intelligent yeah. it shows to where you said oh i can tell my story now yeah and then it just kind of like i was getting like a really good feedback and then um there was a couple of months in in the summertime where it was just back to back overdoses from people that we had grown up with so that's when I started to make the um, videos in regards to, because the epidemic here, we started, there's a campaign and there's about 400 white crosses for every overdose this year. And uh, I would go down to the crosses and videotape and my friends, they were all people I'd know and people I grew up with. So that's when the recovery shit started. And I was raising awareness about the overdoses and what was going on in my community and putting it on Facebook, I was getting this amazing feedback. People that were, that like burnt bridges that I fucked over were coming out of the woodwork. Oh my God, we're so proud of you because they know that was the disease. That wasn't yeah. who I am, you know? So that's when I was like, fucking, I was pumped about it and I just kept going with it. And now I'm almost at 10,000 followers. Fuck. Yeah. And that's like peanuts to some people. But for me, I'm like, holy fuck. That's crazy. Yeah. As many people, you're always going to upset somebody, you know, oh, and I'm yeah, going to, I'll, I'll, I'll <laughs> even end it with this too, like being like getting the ban for a little bit on TikTok or whatever. Like I was talking about it on the show last night in Quebec. And I said to him like about, like I had a fiance that was my childhood best friend. She committed suicide. Oh, um, she was fuck. bipolar, schizophrenic, alcoholic. Yeah. Um, and, I, and I'm blamed for it. You know what I mean? Like I'm openly blamed for it um, as an enabler because I was a drug addict at the time. Yeah. And you know what? I, I didn't cause anything to, you know, for her to do that. I was trying to keep her alive. Probably, yeah. I was I was trying to keep her alive as long as I could. I loved yeah. her to death. That was my yeah. best friend. She was my yeah. partner in crime. You know what I mean? Yeah. The person I trusted most. Yeah. We were childhood best friends. Um, mm -hmm. A lot of people turned their back on her because they didn't know how to, you know, have somebody in their life that was bipolar, schizophrenic, because mental health was still so new. Yeah. And it was still such a stigma yeah. in 2012, 13, 14, 15. Yeah. You know, it wasn't until after she died where mental health was really being talked about more um because yeah. i was really upset by that because it, it could have saved her life but either way um you know when she took her life i was really devastated obviously i spiraled into my addiction longer now the way i look at it is i'm okay with being the bad guy in some people's stories absolutely Me i'm too. always going to be the bad guy in some stories yeah. but you're going to yeah. be the good guy in a lot of people's stories too yeah. so out yeah. of those ten thousand that follow you some might hate you but most love you and most but, appreciate you. And that's what I keep saying. It's like, I only get it. There's all, I thought I was going to get fucking, they were going to come for me. It hasn't been that bad. You know, there's the odd one where they're telling me to rot in hell. And, but the good far outweighs the bad. Like for me, it's, and people saying they can relate like, oh my God, you're telling my story from all over the world. These girls, fuck, if I can help one person, bro, like I do it for myself, but if I can help her know that she's not alone in this it's a bonus right so yeah yeah i'm really yeah. enjoying it for sure 
Yeah, that's that's what we do it for is that feedback, right? Like yeah. there's some days we're addicts, so we look at the numbers. Like you look at the we all look at numbers. We all see the flops and we're like, fuck. You know, right? we're, we're addicts. It, it feeds our dopamine, and that's okay. Yeah. You know, we're always going to be addicts. It's just about what you know, what's you know, what we're doing. Like I said earlier. Yeah. Um, so, and the numbers can get frustrating, but then you get the comments that reach out or the messages of the yes. people that relate and you're like, yes. that's why I keep doing that's this shit. That's why I do it. That's yeah. Do so it. you're, I'll put your tag, I'll put your TikTok or whatever socials you want to give me. Okay. I'll put them in the description. So whether you listen to this or whether you watched it and you okay. don't already follow Mel on TikTok or whatever, if you're on Facebook, I don't know, then you yeah. can go into the description below and follow her journey there too, and see more about her there. So thank, thank you, you so much for opening so up much. and talking and feeling good. I hope you feel good about it. Yeah, I really so enjoyed myself. Thank, thank you, you so again. Much. Like, okay. um.